Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. How many have found out in life, a lot of life is learning how to be repositioned? When we've arrived at one place, how many know we're being repositioned and directed to arrive to another? Look at your neighbor day. Tell them you haven't arrived yet. You haven't arrived yet. Just in case they're wondering. You haven't made it yet. You're not, you're not there yet. We're, there's, there's these instead moments that we have to confront and have to reposition. Instead, he says, get rid of bitterness, harsh words, anger, slander, all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Let me read that again. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as Christ has forgiven you. Father, we ask that the heart that is yours would beat in us today, God. That we would, Lord, have a heart transplant. That, God, our heart would, would beat even more in line with with your rhythm, with your culture, with your ways. Let the heart of Jesus be in us. Let the mind of Christ be in us. And Father, help us to grow more like you. We ask this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, would you just say amen. And one last time on your way to being seated, just snug that mother right beside you, hug her up, kiss her on the cheek. If she's someone else's mom, maybe you want to hold off on that. But... uh, When I think of moms, I, I think of some special people in my life. Um, for 40 years, I have known a mother, and uh, she has been a mother like no other. Uh, my mom is a special mom. I didn't do it. Well, just settle down, man. I just said it. Um, my mom is a special mom. Uh, so grateful the day she met Jesus, it changed our life, our family. Uh, I was only two years old when mom and dad met Jesus, but but I've 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 been so blessed by having a mom in my life who has just been an encouragement and has pointed to Jesus. A defining moment for me is when I think of my mom was driving through Hanover, Pennsylvania, just outside where we grew up, and we were driving in a, uh, a green station wagon. I can't tell you the make, the model, nothing about it. I just know it was green, and it was long. And we, would, uh, we were driving through ha- uh, Hanover, and mom was at a traffic light, and it was red, and so I was in the back seat, not sitting, because at that time, seatbelts were a suggestible thing. They were suggested to use. You remember that? that uh, so I was, uh, was kind of crawling around or whatever. And I, I remember coming to the traffic light, but then we had music playing. We always had music playing. Uh, always worship music or something that would be playing. I don't remember the song. It was probably Southern Gospel, though. Uh, and so mom is playing the song, and, and it just begins to speak of God's greatness and who God is. Mom is at the traffic light, and mom begins to raise her hand in the car and sings. And I'm in the back seat thinking, what is she doing? I remember as a kid having this thought process that said, wait, she's not in church. You only do that in church. No one ever told me that, but it was just in my mind that you do that at certain places. But that day, I remember mom making it real in a moment that it still stands out. It's not the only moment, but it's the moment I remember my mom making church not just a place that she went, but her relationship with Jesus, who she was, and a part of her life. And it marked me. I've also now been married to a mom for 
20 or for 19 years. I've been married to her for 21, but she's been a mom for 19 years. And I've watched the grace and the endurance. Motherhood is a marathon. Motherhood is a race and it never ends. It, it's a constant. And I know that dads, of course, we have a, we have a place as well. And we're engaged in this constant role of, of, of serving and doing. And, and moms are always just wearing that hat. There's some things as, as well, and, and I, not only have I been around a mom for 40 years and married to one now for 19 years, but I have the privilege of pastoring a church that has some great spiritual mothers here. I'm blessed that there are people, that there's some women in this church. Man, they come alongside me and they say, I'm praying for you. And they carry the heart of a mom that, I know that they're in my corner, that I can celebrate, that they're, that they're praying with me, standing with me, and blessed by the, the, the gifts that God gives, and such an honor. But there's some things I've observed about moms in my time of, of being around them and, and being married to one, is some things that I quickly observe and know, not that I'm an expert in my 40 years, but one thing I've, I've seen about moms is that motherhood is an easy role to be taken for granted. Moms can so easily just be taken for granted, and I know immediately those of us in the room might feel this sense of, oh, guilty. But I don't think it's a bad thing in that we've got to be careful not to take for granted, but here's what we tend to do as a culture. We tend to acknowledge the things we don't expect, but don't acknowledge the things we do expect, which really means one of the compliments or one of the things that really is if you're doing something with consistency and you're knocking it out of the park, people don't usually recognize that. They recognize the things that are like, hey, I noticed you did that. That was a great job, which really means I didn't think you would, but way to go. Usually if you're getting acknowledged for something, it's because somebody didn't expect it. But moms become so consistent, so faithful. It becomes just part of the expectation. And so there are those moments people just forget to say, hey, thanks for the meal. Hey, thanks for the clean clothes. Hey, thanks for the things you've done. Because there's just this level of expectation. It always happens. Moms are just always there. They always do it. Let me just make a side note here and just a point. Hey, be careful not to just take it for granted. Whatever it is that's around you, be careful not to take any moment for granted. There, there are those things that we can live with assumption that you can assume your mom knows how much you love and appreciate her. Don't let it go to assumption. Take the opportunity and be intentional to say I appreciate. Don't let your wife just go by with the assumption, well, she knows I enjoy the dinner. She knows I appreciate what she does. She knows. Don't just assume because when we leave things to assumption, we end up at places and we say, how did we get here? How did this happen? Because we leave too much to assumption rather than making the most and taking the opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity. Moms can easily be taken for granted. But the other thing I've observed about moms is a character trait that is such a motherly nature, but really a God trait. And that is this, that moms have the ability to see the best in people, especially their kids. It's called the benefit of the doubt. It's called giving the benefit of the doubt. It's when you decide to see the good and not assume the worst. They give the benefit of the doubt. We know this of parents, and, and you can maybe recognize this, that you might be that parent. I've talked to some teachers before, and I've heard people say that when they have problems and things that need to, they need to deal with with kids in the class, that oftentimes many mothers will think, well, no, not my kid. My kid would never do that. Now, there's some moms who are like, yep, that's my kid. I know that. But we tend to immediately, our first response is to, we want to believe the best. 
It, it happens in some ways. You got a little kid who's, who's writing on the wall with crayons. And as they're writing on the wall with crayons, mom can find this. And instead of blowing up in the moment of what they found, mom can somehow turn this into such a positive thing that they wrote on the wall with crayons. And mom is saying, look how creative they are. Look at what abilities they're displaying at a young age. Forget the fact we've got to clean the wall. There's work to do. But mom doesn't just see the moment. Mom sees the potential that can come from the moment. It's, it's when another one, uh, mom finds it, the child and, and of age as they become a toddler and they become sneaky. You know, they've learned that if mom's not looking, you can get away with things. And, and as they're little kids, moms would recognize those things. And obviously seeing that there's patterns that need to be corrected, but knowing as well that there's just a, not just a, uh, a, a rebellious nature because we have sin that we have inside us, but they can recognize, wow, they're so smart. They catch on to things. Moms have a way of seeing the good here's what it is moms don't label you according to one act they label you according to the opportunity they don't look at you just according to one act but they look at you according to the opportunity of what could come Thomas Edison who many of us know he created and invented motion pictures many of you would be lost if Thomas Edison did not invent and create the ability to have motion pictures what would you do without a big screen and Avengers and whatever else that you could get excited about Obviously, the inventions that he made, Thomas Edison, it was said of him by one of his teachers that word had gotten to his mother, to Mrs. Edison, that Thomas had a confused mind. He was of a confused mind and was unfit for the classroom. It was said of him that he had a confused mind and was unfit for the classroom because he didn't think like all the other students. He didn't fit into the pattern and do the things. That is when mom decided, I will teach him on my own. She took him out of the classroom and mom began to teach him because she didn't see a confused mind. She seen an opportunity for him to develop. And without a doubt, not only did he develop, but the things that he developed. I want you to know that there is a nature of mothers that look for the best that can be brought about, that moms can be encouraging. I remember when I was, uh, just a, a kid uh, growing up at, at my, uh, we would always visit. Some people said we had Sunday dinners. For us, it was Saturday dinners at Grandma's house. We would have Saturday dinners at Grandma's house in Tawnytown, Maryland, and I was the middle of of a bunch of of uh, grandkids and cousins, and we would all arrive and hang out there. And, and being in the middle, sometimes I didn't fit in with the older kids, and I didn't always fit in with the younger kids. I was the one in the middle. And so I would go playing at Grandma and Grandpa's house, and so I would, I would entertain myself with a wiffle ball and a bat. I'd throw it up in the air, and I would hit that wiffle ball. Who knew a wiffle ball could shatter a window? Who knew? It's a wiffle ball. Either I was that powerful or that window was that weak. It was an old farmhouse. I remember the hallway, the window, the, the ball goes right through the window. And as it does, I see Grandpa walking down the hall. All of a sudden, the ball goes through, the window shatters. Grandpa screams, I run. I ran for my life. It was a big farm. I went every place I could to hide. I'm like, I'm dead meat. I, it felt like it was, it was a long time. I hid behind the outhouse. I wasn't going to go inside it. I hid behind it. And all of a sudden, I don't know how long it was, but here comes my grandmother in her dirty apron. Her, 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 her dirty apron that did not even match the dress that it seemed like she would wear every Saturday. And her flip-flops. They're probably falling apart. My grandmother comes out behind the 
the outhouse where I'm standing. And she says, what are you doing out here? I said, I'm in trouble. She puts her arm around me and she says, oh, you're not in trouble. Grandpa just gets excited. <laughs> oh, is that what you call that? <laughs> Didn't know excitement was so painful. But anyway, <laughs> Grandpa just gets excited. She put her arms around me and, and, uh, and she began to tell me, she said, she said, well, you know, sometimes we have accidents. This is how we learn. And she began to just speak over me and encourage me. At a moment, I was at my lowest. I thought I'm falling apart. Everything's going. There's one that comes around and sees the best. What was my fault, my problem? I mean, Dad reminded me. I got to fix the glass now. It's all your fault. Why did you do that? And I knew there's a reprimanding for that, but there was Grandma also in the back of my mind. Hey, everything's fine. It's okay. You can go on. Someone needs a voice in your in your mind today and in your heart, your spirit. You need, you need the Holy Spirit to tell you, hey, everything's all right. Everything's fine. This is not the end. This is not who you are, that God is wanting that encouragement. Not only will his spirit do that, but he gives us one another. He gives us one another to give the benefit of the doubt. You see, moms have the ability to look and to not see according to the circumstances as they are, but to believe that there can be something better. Can I ask you today, have you developed the ability, the gift of being an encourager? When it comes to people, do you give the benefit of the doubt? Or have you developed such cynicism and distrust that you really don't have a good relationship with people because you can't trust anybody, you don't believe the best for anybody, and everybody becomes someone that you have to go against and protect yourself and guard yourself. And there is this distrust that affects our lives. I know what you would say is, well, Jason, that has happened because I've been burned by people. I've been hurt. Yep. It's called living life in a world that's broken with broken people who have also been hurt. It's called living in this experience of, of pain, difficulty, disappointment. But unfortunately, what we think will help us is we put our defenses up and we separate ourselves. We allow bitterness, rage, anger to then separate us from people that we somehow get in the line of defending ourselves. People who give the benefit of the doubt, that they look to see the best rather than assume the worst. There, there's, there's some things that, that really come along with this. And number one is these are people who trust God, love people, and know peace. How many want to have a life of joy and peace? It starts with how we see people. You see, because how you see people is really just a reflection of how you see yourself. How you see people is really a reflection of how you see yourself. When you don't trust people, it's because you know that very nature is on the inside of you. And instead of sometimes confronting what's on the inside of us, we just reflect that and put that on people and then make them the bad people while we stay hunkered down and held back in this, they're the problem, not me. That it's them and we don't allow this healing to flow to believe the best in people now I realize you say well Jason there's some criminals out there, there's some people who will harm I didn't say to be foolish there's a difference between discernment and wisdom having wisdom, I, we understand that but there are some people that we have to give the opportunity this is going to sound weird but some people deserve the opportunity to let us down what? See, the Bible says that we need to 
encourage, that we should be people who, who are encouraging, that the words that come out of our mouth. You ever heard it said of somebody that they're such a nice person, I've never heard them say a bad thing about anybody. You ever hear anybody say that? To which I say, well, then that person doesn't know them that well. Maybe I'm not true. Because I'll just be honest with you. I'd be lying if I said I've never said a bad thing about somebody. I've said a bad thing about my dog. I've said a bad thing about, and when I say bad, I've been critical. I've had a critical spirit at times. I've allowed things in my mind to develop, and even to the line, of, of cynicism, of judgmentalism. That when we're not careful, we can justify it. Well, that's because we're right wing and they're not. We're better than them. That's because we're, we're of this regard and they're not. And we've got, you know what happens in that? We become the judge. Do you know the problem with me becoming the judge? Is it's hard for me to worship when I'm in the, I'm in the seat of the one I'm worshiping. It's hard for me to have free flow and worship and a peace with God when I'm in his seat. It's hard for me to know the presence and the joy if it feels like, and here's just something for you, if you feel like there's been a distance between you and God, then the first thing I would encourage you to say is, okay, is there something that you've allowed to get inside of you? But I'll tell you the first, not only sin, and if there's, if there's unrepentant sin, without a doubt, that's going to get in the way. But I'll tell you one of the things that's really close to get in the way that we miss is that when we feel like we're not close with God, oftentimes it's because we're harboring a bitterness or a rage or an anger or, or something against somebody. And because we're allowing that to come against them, we are now judging them. And because we're judging them, we're, seated, we're sitting in the seat that belongs to God. And we're wondering why we don't sense God. And the reason is because we're trying to worship the one who we're sitting in the seat of. We're sitting in his seat trying to worship him. How can you worship the one that you've now just dethroned. Now I know, realize you could never dethrone God. I realize that. But in your own perspective, when we harbor, when we allow ourselves to, to speak ill, when we, we have more of being on guard and looking against people and believing that there's nothing good that can come out of them, or looking down on people, it really speaks of a heart that we become the judge. And there's a danger in that. There's a danger in letting ourselves become the judge. But when we can have a peace and a sense of, of the peace of God that would flow through us. That when you know that God is your defender, you don't have to get defensive. Think about it. If you're a defensive person, you get defensive. Raise your neighbor's hand if they've ever been defensive. Don't, no, just kidding. Don't do that. That when you try to address something, wow, we become defensive. You, you know what that means? When we become defensive, what that means is, that we are building our own kingdom, but a person who, who lets down defense knows that their defender is the Lord, that the Lord is the one who defends them. You don't need to be defensive when you know you're defended by the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When you, when you are in him, it allows us to be in that place, and, and the love that begins to flow freely, that we don't have to worry, you know, it's never a joyful thing whenever we have to worry if somebody really means what they say or not. Take them at their word. Give them the opportunity to let you down. Now, that sounds wrong. That sounds hard. But I'll tell you, you'll learn how to love like Jesus more when you give people the privilege to hurt you. This sounds so weird. 
Now, I didn't say to become a doormat to people. There's a difference. Let me just go into this real quick. Number one, when you're dealing, in, when you're dealing with people that we sometimes do have to put a boundary between, we have, to, we have to put some things. Number one, give them the opportunity to let you down because they very well may. But give, give, give uh, of course, grace. But here's the thing then. The next thing you need to do when that happens with somebody is you have to have an honest conversation with them. If, you've not, if you are defensive and pushing someone away and you've never had an honest conversation with them, then you're not doing the right thing. You've got to have an honest conversation with them to tell them what has happened, to tell them what's going on, to be able to confront what the issue is. If you've not had a sit-down and a face-to-face, honest conversation to deal with what needs to be dealt with, then... That's the only place where you can allow healing to go. Now, if that person refuses, and the Bible says, take someone else to listen, and if they still won't listen, then you remove them. There is a process, but here's what we tend to do. We tend to remove people before we've given them a process of developing. We tend to remove people long before they get the opportunity to grow and to develop. How many know what I'm talking about? We tend to write it off. We miss the opportunity. We, we write it off in the moment. But we put, and we put labels on people of that's all the further they'll go. But to give the benefit of the doubt, can I tell you, people close to you are going to hurt you. Not intentionally. People close to you are going to let you down. Now, if you think it's on purpose and you think they've got a, 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 a heart that's, that's just malicious, then you need to sit down and talk to them and have an open conversation about that. But you've got to deal with that. But if you don't deal with that, you're not helping them or yourself by just writing off or by not giving them the benefit of the doubt or allowing a healing process to take place in their life. That healing needs to flow. That we allow that grace to flow. Let me give you this just as we close here. I want, I'm going to give you three things of, of what is the, a belief system of someone who gives the benefit of the doubt. I believe this, that if we would learn to give the benefit of the doubt, it would allow healing to flow. It would allow grace to flow. It would allow the presence of God to flow. What it's going to do, it's going to get you and I off the throne. So we're not the ones judging who deserves grace, who doesn't. We allow God. We just give grace. Does that make sense? Some of you are like, well, that just sounds too easy. Not everybody deserves it. Now you're back to you being the judge on who deserves and who doesn't. Be careful. You're, you're skating on a thin line. You're, 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 you're teetering on something that is not yours we do not have the the ability to judge people we can judge fruit we can confront fruit we can deal with those things and help people but be careful not writing people off let me here's these the belief system of someone who has a a heart to give the benefit of the doubt i don't know if you know somebody today who you need to start giving the benefit of the doubt here's the belief system that comes with it number one we believe this Number one, we believe this, that one act does not determine a person's destiny. Just because you've been an addict doesn't mean you're going to always be an addict. Just because you've been a liar doesn't mean you're always going to be a liar. To hold to that, now listen, I realize if someone has lied and they have a tendency and they have done that before, at some point you're going to have to learn to trust them again because the only way to find out whether or not someone is trustworthy is to trust them. 
And if you find that they're not, then you have to have the open and honest conversation. But too many times what we want to do is we find people aren't trustworthy or people have let us down. And instead of confronting what's happened, we just pull back, put up a device, a a mechanism of being defensive, and we remove ourselves. That's meant divorce. That's meant leaving churches. That's meant moving around. That meant just cutting people off our lives. That's what we do, that when we come to a place and we don't know how to confront it in a healthy way and how to deal with it, we cut ourselves off. And we miss the opportunity of really growing and developing and learning to become more like Jesus. If I frustrate you at moments, you're welcome. I'm helping you become more like Jesus. If there's struggle that we have to deal with and you have to confront some things, thank you. You're helping me to become more like Jesus, that we can love in this nature. So here's, here's what it is, that we know one act does not define a person's destiny. Number two, another belief system is this, anyone can change. Do you believe that? Now listen, I didn't say everyone will, I said anyone can. Doesn't mean everyone will, but everyone can. Everyone can change. Do you believe that? So here's the question then. Do we give people opportunity to develop or have we cut them off right there and said it's all you'll ever be. You're no good. I'm done with you. It will never work. Now there's a moment where we have to shake the dust off our feet and move on. I get that. But there's a process of how we allow healing to flow that's with forgiveness. Here's number three. Number three, the belief system of a person who is, who gives the benefit of the doubt. Number three is this, they know that I am my brother's keeper. I am my brother's keeper. It matters how I act. Because how I act and how I treat you affects your relationship with Jesus Christ. I can't take responsibility for your relationship with Jesus Christ, but I have to recognize I do influence it. You hear me? You do influence this relationship, how you respond, how you act. And here's then, are we shutting the door on people or are we opening the door to allow them the process to develop? Go to Romans. The worship team's coming. We're getting ready to close. But I want you to go to Romans. Look at me with, in Romans, if, if you have your Bibles, in uh, Romans chapter 12. We've got to be people who forgive and allow this forgiveness to flow through us. This is the nature, the heart of a mother, which is, comes from God. Because when God created man and woman, he created them in his image. And how many know man is not the same as woman? So when God said he created man and woman in his image, what God was saying is, I put a part of me in a woman and I put part of me in a man. You need both. Man is not greater than woman. I thank God for women who step into leadership. We are in need of women to lead, to have roles of leadership. And some would say, well, then what about the man? It's both. We serve the Lord together. He created them, man and woman, in his image. The both of them. Two both of them. That's how we say it in our family. Two both. So this nature that's in the woman God is wanting us to represent. So we allow to believe and desire the best. Aren't you glad God didn't judge you on your one act, but that God saw you in your sin and said, no, I'm not going to leave you there. Aren't you glad for the mercy and the grace of God that saw more than where you were? Listen to what it says in Romans. 
Romans chapter 12. Paul, of course, is saying not to repay evil. <clears throat> but he says in verse 20, instead, if your enemies, now here's the enemy. The enemy is someone who, is, who has wrongfully done something against you. But do you know who else your enemy is? Not only your enemy is someone who has done something against you, but your enemy is also someone who you think has done something against you. Both of those. Because how many know there are some people we call our enemies and they're not really done anything against us? We just feel like they have or believe they have. How many know what I'm talking about? Because we've not confronted it. We've not addressed it. And so, well, they said this. And you think that's what they meant when they said that? Well, I know they said it. Well, how do you know? Well, I heard them say it. But did you ask them? Nope, I just know. Oh, you're all-knowing, all-powerful. That's right. You're the judge that sits upon the throne. Right? That we've got to be careful that we don't allow that, that we, that we allow that grace to flow. That He says, if your enemies, whether your real enemies or even the assumed enemies that you have, if your enemies are hungry, starve them out until they die. I'm guessing those of you that are laughing either know the scripture or you're reading it with me. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. What? But they take advantage of me. You know that guy that stands on the corner? I bet if I give him a $20 bill, he's just going to go buy drugs with it. I'm not going to help anybody because I bet they'll just take advantage of it. I bet they'll just misuse it. I'm not saying be foolish by throwing money around, but I am saying at times use discernment. But I've had moments where I've said, God, I don't know what they're going to do with this money, but that's on you. I'd rather fail in showing grace and let you deal with the rest. I'd rather fail in giving mercy. I'd rather fail in giving the benefit of the doubt. I'd rather fail in giving the best opportunity. He said if they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. That's right. Get them, God. Make them pay. That's, that's the part I wanted to hear. Get them, Lord. But then it doesn't make sense because here's his next set. His next, the next verse says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So what in the world is Paul saying that Solomon would have said in Proverbs and that Moses would have said in Leviticus when he says heap burning coals on their head so that they'll be shamed that, 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 that they'll have the heaping coals on their head. What is he saying? Because it obviously isn't get them, God. He's speaking of putting burning coals, that when you heap burning coals on someone's head, this is literally what it means. This is in the context of the fire. You're talking in the time of days when they cooked, not with an electric stove, not with any gasoline, but with wood fire, with wood that was on fire. And if you didn't have fire, how many know it's a problem? If you don't have fire, you're not going to bake. And if you're not baking, you're not eating. If you're not eating, you're not having nourishment. And if you don't have nourishment, you're going to die. And so this is a bare and essential thing that's needed in life. In order for you to exist, in order for you to survive, you need coals. You need burning coals. 
And there are some people who have let the coals go out in their life. There are some people who have left coals go out. And one of the ways they've left coals go out is because they've not tended to their own coal. They've not tended to their own responsibilities. And I know you and I have been hurt by people who the only reason they've hurt us is because they've not tended to their own responsibilities. And so they're trying to put on us the pain that they carry. How many know what I'm talking about? They've allowed the coals to go out. They didn't do responsible things. They didn't handle their resources responsibly. They didn't take care of what they should have. And now they're trying to put this on me. A prime example could be someone not handling their finances. And because they've not handled their finances, they expect someone else to now fix their finances. And because somebody won't fix their finances, it's not fair. The big cat's got all the big money. It's not fair. It's not good. And they become bitter. They now have a bitterness. We built a whole government and a whole culture around this. And we call it healthy. It's not. It's bitterness. It's rage. It's, it's deceit. It's ungodly. It's somebody owes me. They got to take care of me. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, no, they let the coal go out. Well, then what do I do? Well, you heap coals on them. Because the way that they would carry the coals is that they would carry it over their head and as they would literally have the pan and they would carry the coals. And if you didn't have coals, your coals went out. It was my job then to heap coals on your head. Not to condemn you, but to say, here you go. He said to heap coals of shame on them. What this means is if I find my brother who is in need, he didn't say go make him a meal. He didn't say go fix all his problems. Just give him the essential of what he needs. It's a burning coal. It's a burning coal. How many know the burning coal still needs work to make the fire? Are you following me? It's just the essential. What he's saying is give the essential. In our words, it means this. There are people who need a word of encouragement, who need to know that someone still believes in them. They may have made poor choices. They may have fallen. But someone needs to heap burning coals on them. Because you give them the essential. You can't do it for them. We said earlier that people can change. But you better know this, you can't change people. People can change, but you can't change people. But I can give them a burning coal. This is an essential. This is what you need. And now I have given to you what I have. Now what you do with it, that's up to you. If you don't take care of it, if you don't manage it, if you don't operate well, then shame on you. But if I don't give you that, then shame on me. Are you following me? Shame on me if I don't give you just the essential. If I don't give you encouragement. If I don't come along. You know what? Sometimes, I, I hate to admit it, I beg for someone to come around and say, Jason, I still believe in you. Jason, you're going to make it. Jason, it's okay. And there are moments I got to take myself by the collar and say, God, I'm going to bless you because I know you're for me. I know you're with me. I know you're not against me. I bless you. I'm going to be encouraged in the presence of the Lord. But there are times I need somebody to come along. Sometimes it'll be Pastor Kyle just coming to my office, just saying, hey, I read this and thought of you. I just want you to know I really appreciate what you're doing here. He might just think it's a small thing, and somebody else might say, he's just trying to kiss up. He's brown nose. Well, the brother knows I'm not in a battle all my own. The brother knows that there's someone that's going to come around. You know what happens when somebody comes around and says, man, I just want you to know I appreciate this. Hey, I just want you to know I noticed this. Hey, I just want you to know this means something to me. You know what that does? 
Oh, he just gave me a little heap of coal, and I can make a fire out of that. I can do something with that. Shame on us if we don't give a little bit of a coal. Shame on us if we don't give a word of encouragement. Shame on us if we're not saying to somebody, I know you may have fallen five times, but I'm going to forgive you 70 times, seven times. I'm going to believe the best. You've got the best in front of you. I want you to know today, if I could look you in the eyes, I would say by the grace and the power of God, your best days are ahead of you. God has great plans in store for you. You are the head and not the tail. He wants the best in your life. And I know the enemy's coming along saying, oh, no, no, no. Because the enemy also has put, here, here's the difference. The enemy puts people, where God puts people in your life to be influential, the enemy tries to make them critical. God puts people in your life who are supposed to be influential. Some of the most influential people in your life, the enemy is going to do whatever he can to make them critical. Because the enemy knows he can't stop what God is doing, but if he can pull some wind out of your sail, if he can take some things down, and there's some influential people who ought to be real close in our life and moving us and pushing us, and be careful who you're influencing. Because I know there are people in my life that I realize that I'm that coal. I'm, I'm called in their life to give them a piece of coal, to encourage them, to move them on. Shame on me if I don't. Now, if I give them a piece of coal and they don't take care of it, they don't build a fire, they don't feed their family, they don't carry on the work, shame on them. But I would much rather be on the side of saying, I gave what I could give because I can't fix you. Now, if you're here today and you need one of those burning coals, I hope you're following me today. You say, I'm down and out. I need somebody to help me. Be careful that when you say, I need somebody to help me, what you're not saying is, I just want somebody to do it for me. Be careful. I just want somebody to do it for me. I want somebody to take care of all my problems. I want somebody to fix it all. I just want somebody to do it for me. That's not the design of God. He's given you coals. He's put people in your life to heap burning coals on you, to give you what you need to build the fire. My job is to give you what you need to build the fire. My job is not to make you burn. Well, I wear myself out trying to. I can't make you burn. I can't make you burn with holy passion for Jesus. I can't even make my family burn with holy passion for Jesus. All I can do is give a coal. Put a piece of coal. Put a coal. That's what we're called to do. And so today, I just want to encourage us to give the benefit of the doubt. To allow grace and mercy to flow. To believe the best in people. You might walk in this church and you may have just got drunk last night. I don't care if you were drunk last night. The Holy Spirit will meet you in your sober state of mind and He'll change you. He'll redeem you. And you might be tempted to go back and get drunk again, but we're going to love you. Now we're, we're going to say to you, hey, you're not going to teach Sunday school drunk, okay? There's certain things you can't do. There's boundaries, there's lines. But man, we're going to love on you. We're going to give you the grace so that at the end of the day, if we've given you a piece of coal and you didn't start a fire, shame on you. But we're not going to let it be shame on us. Are you hearing me this morning? No more shame on me. No more shame on us for not giving what is needed. Shame on us. Shame on us if there's somebody hurting and we've not built them up. Oh, but they hurt me. They tore me down. They did this. Shame on us if we don't know the grace of God to establish and to build us up. Shame on us. Shame on us if we don't give what we have. And at the end of the day, I can't change them, but I believe they can change. And if they don't, shame on them. Shame on them. Shame on them. Because I can't carry their burdens, but I, can, I can't carry it forever. I can carry to the feet of Jesus, but that's all the further I can take it. I just want to make sure that what I do 
was putting coals on people's head to say, I'll give you what you need. I'll give you what you need. I'm going to give you what you need. I'll give you what I have to give, but only you and the grace of Jesus can turn this into a fire. You following me? So give the benefit of the doubt. Let grace flow. I just pray that over you today. I release that in Jesus' name. That your perspective in marriages and relationships would change. That you would not see people as villains and as people who invade your space any longer, who rob your joy. But you'll know that God is the author and the salvation and He is your joy. That you are content and made whole in Him. And that you will know the peace of God that passes all understanding. That will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So I pray in Jesus' name. Let's give the benefit of the doubt. Let's believe the best for one another. Let's believe. I'm going to keep pushing, keep moving, keep pulling, keep leading people. Would you stand to your feet today? God, let it not be on us any shame. Lord, let us do what we've been called to do. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing this together.
God loves you and keeps loving you? How many, how many have come to know that it's amazing grace? Why is it amazing? Because he keeps giving. He keeps pouring out. He keeps giving to us. The Bible says that his mercies are what? New every morning. There's a word of compassion and mercy. They, they go together. And if you study the word compassion, compassion from the root is mercy. And if you then follow mercy, to have compassion means to be filled with mercy. But then one of the root words, or the root word for mercy, is wound. Whoa, that got weird. Compassion, mercy, and wound. Now, you know what the womb is. The womb, okay, you know. But you know what it represents? New life. You know what Jesus said? What it says of God? That his mercies are what? new every morning. So if God gives us new mercies, who are we then to withhold and just give the same old treatment to the people that are around us? If God gives us new, then why should we not give a new? Why should we not give other people a second chance? Why should we not give other people another opportunity, another chance? You say, Jason, well then they may just let me down. Yeah, I've got to give them the opportunity to let me down. I've got to give them the opportunity to sometimes disappoint. I've got to give the opportunity because I would rather be the one giving grace than sitting on the seat that's not mine. Amen? So here's what he tells us. He says simply that we ought to forgive, get rid of all bitterness and rage, harsh words and slander, and all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today and when I say enemy this might be someone who has done something against you or that you perceive has done something against you some of us are holding grudges because we perceive things and we're not even getting to the real truth of what's going on but you say today Jason I I want to give the benefit of the doubt by God's grace I'm asking for God's grace to allow forgiveness to flow to allow mercy to flow to allow new opportunity that I would not see them as the villain but I would begin to see them as you see them if that's you today you say I need to release I need to release somebody today in that forgiveness if that's you by God's grace just lift your hand right where you are and you say by God's grace no one looking around just between you and God by God's grace and so right now you don't need to keep your hand raised but as you raise your hand you acknowledge that would you just begin to bless them if it's a spouse bless them just the Bible says to bless your enemies to, to bless them to do good to those who, who despitefully use you just bless them right now if it's a neighbor, if it's a co-worker, if it's me, bless me. If it's whoever it is, bless them right now in Jesus' name. Release them of that. Release them of that. Let healing flow right now by God's grace. Listen, you need God's grace to do this. You can't do it on your own. You might, you just even now say, God, I forgive them. I release that in Jesus' name. Help me to see them in a different light. Give me the perspective that I can trust God, love people, and know peace. Give me peace in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just one last prayer before we go today on this Mother's Day. And as you pray and ask God for the grace to release those people and to give the benefit of the doubt. If you're here tonight or today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, on this Mother's Day, the day that represents celebrating the ones who made way for us to come into this world. For life to begin today you need to be born again not like Nicodemus 
he thought, well, how do I do that? Born again by believing on Jesus Christ. As we celebrate the ones who gave us birth, today might be a day for you to come to new birth, to salvation, to be born again. Unless a man or a woman be born again, they will not see the kingdom of God, the Bible says. Unless they're born again, and you say today, I need to make a decision. I need to, I need to, I need to turn my life over and have a new life in Christ. If that's you today, just right where you are, just raise your hand today. You say, Jason, I'm making a decision to make it to have new life in Christ, to believe on Jesus Christ. Is there anyone today? Father, I thank you that you have made it possible for us to have life and to have it more abundantly. And Lord, I, I thank you for this season that we're in as a church that God help that grace would abound. God, I thank you that grace does abound. Now, Lord, I, I pray that it would abound in our hearts, that we would give grace. Lord, that we would give the benefit of the doubt, that we would allow blessing to flow, that we would do, do life your way, God, that we would not harbor bitterness, that we would not harbor uh, offense, but God, that we would release that in Jesus' name and allow a second opportunity, another chance, so that, Father, we can believe the best in people, and by your grace, that you can produce the best in people. Lord, help us to not shut the door, but God, help us to be those who stand at the door and open the door to be a doorkeeper in the house of God. That we would open the door for others to walk into your presence, to walk into your wholeness, to walk into what you have for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, would you just say amen? Amen. Give the benefit of the doubt. Amen give the benefit of the doubt. Thanks for being here today. Again, happy Mother's Day to our moms. Pray you have a blessed day. We celebrate you. Thank you for the heart of God that you carry. And I pray that we would learn to see the best and give the best. Have a wonderful week. Look forward to seeing you next week as we continue to grow together, reaching people to reach their purpose. Happy Mother's Day.